0: The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. A discussion was had last uh, Friday on News Talk Breakfast in relation to cancel culture in our universities, and it has received a lot of reaction um, since Friday. Many people voicing concerns on how cancel culture could potentially be undermining debate and free speech. Joining me to discuss this further is psychotherapist and author of What Your Teen Is Trying to Tell You, Stella O'Malley. You're very welcome, Stella. Thank you, Stella. Cancel culture, in your experience and in your view, how damaging is it?
1: Oh, I think it's very damaging. I think it's a, it's a kind of an insidious impact on people's lives. Very often, when somebody is cancelled, they're silently cancelled. It's not the big names like J.K. Rowling that really well. Like she obviously got hit, but the much smaller, you know, the the small time children's writer. The, kind of, the person who's just trying to make a name for themselves as a, as a speaker, they just get cancelled quietly and they're afraid to speak up about it because if they do, then they have eliminated all chances of themselves getting further work. So they tend to say nothing when they get dropped. And they're the people, and that, that number is growing, and more and more people are talking about how I didn't get you know, whatever gig because I, they don't like my views.
0: Do you think that's a new phenomenon or has it ever been thus?
1: Oh, it's ever been thus, but it's it's a very different phenomenon than it used to be. Like, if you think back in the days in Ireland, it was the establishment and it was very overt. So it was like, if you spoke up against the church or if you had certain views on the north, you would get sidelined, for example, by RTE. And everybody knew it and it was very clear. These are the rules and this is what you've got to do. These days, it's much more... Kind of, uh, it seems to be coming from the youth up. It, see, it looks like it's coming from the counterculture up. It's definitely coming from the younger generation up, like the universities. And so it's not as such so overt. So you're not quite sure, even though we all know what are the views that will get you cancelled. It's not the kind of pale male 50 year old who's working in an establishment job that will get you cancelled. It's a young twenty-one year old who often doesn't know very much about our our history, not our history, I mean global history and the impact of suppression of free speech. They're often not very interested. I remember talking to a group of twenty somethings about cancel culture and they said, Listen, your generation are just more bothered about free speech than ours. We're we're not that bothered about it. It's it's not that big a deal. Like, I honestly don't think they knew what they were giving away when they said that. They didn't know that it's the, it's the centre of all civilization is the freedom to, but how, to but speak. But still, is,
0: is there a difference between free speech and inconsequential speech? I mean, the, the people that you refer to who have been cancelled, you could make an argument that says they, they, their free speech was not impinged upon, but with the things that you say comes the result of the things that you say.
1: Yeah, and that is the big argument that is being said, and that's why I called it insidious, because it's being argued that this isn't a kind of uh, suppression of people's speech. It's, it's only we're giving you consequences, and the consequences is being mobbed online for months, and every single time you speak up, somebody will come on and more mobbing will happen. So it's a quite a severe consequence. If it was such that you know, it wasn't so obvious that what exactly are the beliefs that are, are considered um, cancelable. well, then it wouldn't be a problem. If it was like, listen, when somebody speaks pretty awful things, there's consequences. But it's not like that. It's, for example, that you know, that guy from Neighbours, and he spoke about how um, maybe uh, he, he spoke about some actor and he just wanted to know sh- should trans people be trans, actors and things like that it was a very minor event he was a very mild-mannered older man and suddenly he got cancelled and bang he loses his job and you're like oh my god that's quite a severe consequence for somebody asking a question so you could answer yeah sure these views are absolutely you know forbidden and we can't ever have them but we've done that before the catholic church told us we had impure and thoughts that we've been told before that there are some views that are unacceptable and you cannot have them. And the human instinct to have individual views and to have our own beliefs, it's very strong enough. And so we, we push back, we as individuals push back and say, I like to be able to speak my own thoughts so I can come to my own beliefs. And if I can't even say them out loud without being told there's going to be consequences, and those consequences are really public shaming, well, that's a very severe consequence. Rather than you have your view, I have mine. So long as nobody's inciting violence, we should be able in a civilised society to be able to get along. For example, Is that not to
0: some extent rooted in the nature of the view? Like if, if you are in a social setting and somebody launches into being openly racist... Wouldn't you hope that the others in the social setting will say, I'm not going to remain in this room and be party to what you are saying? Now, you could argue, but that's just free speech. They just want to express it and you should engage with their view and give them counterpoint. Sure, there's an argument if you said, no, you should give them the cold shoulder.
1: Yeah, very definitely there is an argument. But um, giving them the cold shoulder and leaving the room isn't the same as months and months of online mobbing. And arguably many of us in Ireland specifically live with people with very different uh, views than that we have, and we live very well, insofar as my mother and her generation are very often, you know, stringently and, and devoutly pro-life, and an awful lot of people in my generation are pro-choice, and we manage to have Sunday dinner, we manage to handle the fact that there are two different views in the household. There might be arguments every so often, but we ultimately understand that there's different generations, different views, and we can still see the good in people. And that is a civilised society, while an uncivilised society will say, will ostracise somebody for not having the views that you have.
0: Put on your psychotherapist hat for a second, Stella, and maybe you can explain, why is it so satisfying? for those Mm. who are involved in that kind of mob cancellation because when you watch it I mean particularly if you take an issue I mean if you take for instance the RTE thing if if you follow the the trending word Tuberty and you just watch the tweets that are coming out there is a level of self-satisfaction in the vitriol There there are people there not all of them obviously maybe not even a majority but there are a lot who are enjoying their pound of flesh what is it about the psychology of that kind of online vengeance that is so satisfying for people?
1: You know, I'm really glad you brought up the, the turbidity thing because it is—it's gleeful, it's satisfied, it's—it's—it's it's, it's our darker instinct. We we have, we are all humans, we we're like we're basically five minutes out of the out of the caveman era. If you look at the you know the large context of humanity, and so we have some kind of instincts that are back from the caveman days. For example, public shaming is how we operate, and you know we do have laws, and laws are 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 moderately good in keeping our behavior good, but public shaming is much stronger as a way of and if you look at it, drink driving is a very good example. We had laws about drink driving and everybody ignored them. Then it became unacceptable to drink drive and public shaming is actually how nobody is drinking well, very few people are drink driving now compared to before. And so if you look at people who are being shamed, you're either in the group or you're out of the group. And Back in the caveman days, when you were ostracised out of the tribe, it was literally like a death. You would be more likely to die because you wouldn't have people to help you if you're sick or if you fell or if you hurt your leg. So you need the group. We all need everybody else to help us along in life. And that instinct is very strong within us. So when we're kind of shunned from the group, be it when you're a kid and you're bullied, or at, even when you're an adult and you're left out, there's a horrible feeling of being judged, evaluated, and told you're not good enough. And it goes to our core. It's very frightening and it's very scary. The people who are doing the judging and the evaluating are on top of the world because they know they're in the group. They know they're part of the thing. They're feeling really warm, frighteningly so, because sometimes they're involved in something horrible like an online mobbing, but they're feeling self-satisfied. They've got it going on. They're on the right side of history. They're wagging their finger. And it's basically answering all their darker needs for self-righteousness, for being part of a group, for being kind of bigger than the person who's getting attacked. And I I think we have this instinct within us. There's no doubt we have this instinct within us. Somebody who seems to live a charmed life like Ryan Tuberty, people will be so fast to go and attack them because they'll always feel like my life never really matched up to what his did insofar as money or privilege or opportunities. And so now he's getting a doubt and I'm in.
0: Well, it's interesting, I mean. <laughs> it's interesting to see the text coming in. Everyone is offended by everything the, these days. It's madness altogether. Another, The worst part about cancel culture is the secondary effects, the self-censorship that occurs where we are all living in fear of expressing controversial opinions. Stella, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. That's Stella O'Malley, psychotherapist and author of What Your Teen Is Trying To Tell You. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy With Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.